everyone, and welcome to episode two of Three PhDs in a Pod. How you doing, Josh? I'm good. I'm fine. Oh. <laughs> I was not expecting you to say that. Just going to say, I was, I was looking away. From, I was walking away from my computer for a second. Like nothing was happening, but I walked. <laughs> I was like, ah, he needs me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have calls for age. I know. If that is not a sense of like how my brain is today, I don't know what is. Um, well, how have you been? I've been good. I've been good in terms of like in terms of um, keeping my sanity. That's been a bit dubious, but in terms of keeping myself busy, that's been fairly successful. I've this week I've been um, rekindling my love with Star Wars a little bit. Oh, how have you been doing yeah. that? Well. Um, here's here's the whole story. No, no. <laughs> um, so I just recently finished uh, the Mandalorian, the entire series. Um, cool. Watched it on Disney Plus. Really excellent. If anyone has Disney Plus, go watch it. It's fantastic. Um, and after that, I decided I wasn't quite done with Star Wars yet, and so I decided to go start watching uh, the Clone Wars series, which I never watched before. Mm. Um, and I've heard from multiple sources that it's very good. And so I was watching that and then I was like, oh, wow, this is fantastic. This is so good. This is, it's stuff based in the prequel era, mm. but it actually feels like Star Wars, which is incredible, which yeah. I, I never thought was possible. Um, <laughs> because I, have a very, I very much have a love-hate relationship with Star Wars. And whenever I find something that makes me love it again, I get very happy. So... That's that's, that's been a that's been a big positive of my week this week watching Clone Wars. Um, Great, so yes, yeah. yeah. How about yeah, you, me... Jack? What have you been doing? What have you been up to? Oh, what have I been up to? I don't know. Writing my thesis. That's a boring yeah. answer. It is a boring answer. I was I was I, I restrained myself from saying that. Yeah, you were, you were, you tried to actually make it interesting. Yeah, I tried. Yeah, what, what have I actually been doing? I read a book. I read String City by Graham Edwards, which is a great book. It's like a steampunk come sci-fi about a city that exists in the center of the universe and the universe is governed by string theory strings connect everything and you can travel between the strings between dimensions it's very trippy but a very good like crime thriller that's cool you got you brought me back um then because i lost interest immediately when you said steampunk because um, oh. not not a huge steampunk guy, but then well, you said string theory, and I was like, Ooh. well, it's kind of like it's noir more than steampunk, but it's kind of you know that okay, okay, uh, the 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 steampunk's kind of the wrong word, but there is some steampunky aspects to it. It's not if you don't like steampunk, I'd still recommend reading it because it's more about the very noir. He's got a trench coat which he flips up the collar of and wears a trilby <laughs> kind of thing. You know? you know I like that stuff, Jack. <laughs> yeah, drinks whiskey and black coffee. Okay, okay, cool. And that's it. And just and he has a diet of cigarettes, like that kind of character, I right? I don't know if he actually smoked during the entire book. Oh, so he doesn't have a diet. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Um, he eats burgers, which it turns out... No, that's a spoiler. I'm not going to tell you that. <laughs> which turns out they're made of tobacco. <laughs> No, not tobacco, <laughs> but something else questionable. Okay. Um, but that's something else questionable. There. But yeah, it's got it's got like titans and gods, like every sort of you know how American Gods by Neil Gaiman it contains like all of the gods from all the different world yes. like world religions and yes. uh, any minor religion as well. This kind of has the same thing. So oh, Anansi Asansa, seems... um, Greek gods, all kinds of like loads of different. There's mentions of Norse gods, I think. 
yeah, it's 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 a really weird mashup of a lot of different things. Yeah, it's, well. was, it's definitely a, a pastiche of different a, different a cornucopia. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I I read recently. I recently read I um, read Carrie for the first time. Stephen King. Book. Stephen King. Yes. Yeah, I'm a huge. I'm I'm a huge Stephen King fan, but I've never read Carrie. So you can decide whether I'm a Stephen King fan or not. Um, but I just read Carrie, and I thought that was an excellent book. But cool. you know, yeah, I have got... I have a I have a bias considering I love Stephen King so much. I've um, got The Shining and Doctor Sleep. I picked them up from a for a pound from a charity shop. Uh, a pound for both of them. Charity shops, they're great value. Wow, that is fantastic. Dog's it Sleep was. As well. There are like dog, yeah, dog-eared copies of both books for a pound. Uh, yeah. But it's great because I don't know. I'm not. I hate horror movies. I get yes. scared so easily. I'll, if I know my brother's around the corner and he jumps out, I'll still jump. Uh-huh. I'm so easily terrified. So I hate horror movies. So I've never uh-huh. watched anything even slightly Stephen King. But mm-hmm. books, I don't get scared by. So I'm going to check out. The Shining yeah. and Doctor Sleep and see how it works. Well, I think the interesting thing about Stephen King is that he has um, he writes horror books, but they are very much about like a personal affliction. Mm. Like they always have a human element to them, which I think is what makes them so. It's what makes them so appealing to a mass audience. So yeah. even people who don't like horror that much still can watch it and get something from it, even if they're not huge horror fans, or they're they can also, read it and get something from it. They're also incredibly weird. So that's the, other, yeah. that's the other appeal, I think. Yes, yes. Uh, but there are also, like, I feel Stephen King, like, his characters are very simplistic. You yeah. know, like, they're sort of, you know, archetypes. They're, they're very much their own thing. So I feel like they're easy to understand books mm. as well. But they, all, they, all, they also have their own little detail and their minutia, which if you want to, you can get into it a little bit more. So that's why I like him as an author. Um, Fair enough. He's very int- very intelligent man as well. So yeah, yeah I, I like good him. enough reason. Good enough reason to like someone. <laughs> Great. Right. Well, um, I suppose we should actually talk about the guest we've got on this week. Yes. Yes. Uh, as opposed to just just waffling on about books. Although it's interesting. It's always interesting to talk to you. Josh. Well, I get the sense that this is going to be how the podcast goes. We have our media corner <laughs> where we talk about what books we've read, and what shows. Set the world watched. to rights. Yes. Yes, and, and then, then and then. Every audience member gets gets incredibly bored and then they go, and let's talk about the guest. (laughs) So then they they perk up and then actually have interest again. (laughs) Well, now is the time. I'll put a note in the the, the comments. Skip forwards to eight minutes in. No. Um, Here's where the podcast actually actually starts. starts. (laughs) (laughs) But this week we have Lorraine. and she is from Manchester, same as Quentin, same as us. Uh, but she is a biologist or specialises in biology, doing a PhD in viruses and how to combat viruses. So the Sam Jones group at Manchester has this really cool way of um, attacking viruses that is super interesting, could be super useful, especially given the current uh, topic of viruses is quite quite at the forefront of people's minds currently so it's, it's a, trending it's, right now it's trending to use <laughs> the lingo of the young people um but yeah so lorraine she works on viruses trying to kill them not just trying to stop them but trying to kill them dead uh, although 
all biologists will be screaming right now that I'm talking about killing viruses because viruses are not actually alive. I'm aware of that. I sincerely apologize. They are trying to destroy viruses, for you <laughs> cannot kill what is not alive. Um, anyway, I'm waffling again. Lorraine works on viruses, trying to stop viruses. Specifically, she says that Public Health England, she sent some samples off to try and see if their method works on coronavirus, which is, again, really interesting. Uh, but we talk about her life growing up in Zimbabwe, what Zimbabwe thinks about uh, science, um, and how, you know, even if you hate school, there is a way into science for you. It shouldn't turn you off. And that all you need is, I think Sam put a lot of, um, or, or Lorraine had a lot of faith put in her from Sam, and that really helped her, even though she wasn't necessarily uh, someone who could have been turned off to do a PhD if she wasn't so driven from a young age. So it's really inspiring to hear this story and really interesting. So we hope you like listening to it. Yeah, it was, it was extremely insightful for both of us as well. Like yeah. this was, with these were, Lorraine talks about multiple areas that me and Jack aren't familiar with. So it was actually quite interesting and, you know, eye opening for us as well. So that yeah. was a good aspect of this particular interview, I think. Mm, yeah, I, I work I work daily in or used to work daily in the lab with Lorraine and obviously knew vaguely what she was doing, but knew very little about her personally. So this was super interesting to hear about her background and mm-hmm. hear her talk about things that I'd never really thought about before. So mm-hmm. we hope you enjoy listening and we'll catch you again next week. Lorraine, thank you very much for agreeing to uh come on the podcast and uh to tell us about yourself and your work and um to have a chat with us basically so to kind of as an introduction to people listening to the podcast can you initially tell me about uh the work that you're currently doing your, your phd uh okay so i am a phd student in my third year in the jones lab and we work on developing antivirals mostly lovely that's very topical so how, how do you go about doing that um okay so we are very mixed as a group so um i my background is predominantly biology and then chemistry so we all kind of mix into it so um basically my job has been to synthesize various antivirals so we've got um an idea of how to make things antiviral um, and how to sort of achieve the, me- the mechanism of action we want. And we're sort of fine tuning it. So I just need to make more and then go into the bio lab and test them against, I, currently I test against herpes mostly, but um, we test them against like RSV and other viruses. Cool. So do you test against herpes because it's easy or because it's particularly dangerous and that's the one you're targeting? Uh, no, it's because it's easy. So because we're like, <laughs> because we're currently based in the school of biomaterials, which doesn't generally work with viruses, I think actually ever. We might be the okay. first virus lab there. So just to make it less, I, the only word I can think of right now is freaky, scary for them. We were like, <laughs> herpes, you know, pretty much everybody has it of some form. So it's not yeah, the it's worst thing a, if we have an accident. Are, yeah, exactly. Cold sores are herpes. Are herpes so yeah, Lots of people have it. Yeah. Um, 
cool that's really interesting so but yeah uh, we also work with like rsv and cmv because i mean yes they can infect people but they're generally not deadly so what are they what are rsv and csv rsv is a respiratory infection okay um even more topical (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um cmv is a form of herpes called cytomegalovirus it's mostly a problem in um neonates and babies and it's not Ah. so much a problem in adults you've Mm. probably all had it at some point oh okay cool so um i i suppose there is a big question that i've got to ask which is do you think the antivirals you're working on might work on coronavirus we've actually already sent them to phe oh wow so um they are being tested along with a bunch of other antivirals that phe has received from various different groups I don't know how far the testing is so far. I think um, the last time the uni asked PHE like how far they were, they were like they need a bit more time and it might be about May until they have a result. Well, I suppose, you know, with bio, these things take time because you're working with yeah. living things. But PHE being Public Health England. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's, that's really cool. Um, <laughs> so already trying to answer the question, does it, treat? Oh, nice. So yeah, yeah. I suppose the, qu- the question there is, how did you how did you get into that but i'll ask an even more basic question how did you get into science full stop why science why not art or something um (laughs) i loved art as a kid i really did i just had zero gift in it (laughs) and um (laughs) and to this day that's still true like i love doodling and whatnot but they all look terrible um yeah and then science i guess i kind of because i was born in zimbabwe so i lived in zimbabwe until i was about uh nine years old um and i think from because they're like that was during the hardcore hiv pandemic i mean the hiv pandemic is ongoing everywhere but like that was when it was really bad for zim in particular um so i growing up i grew up around that you know like literally i remember my mom saying to me raising me and saying just assume everybody has hiv and behave accordingly wow so like i grew up around that kind of environment and it kind of made me want to do something about it myself um yeah so yeah that was a decision that i made as a naive six-year-old and i've stuck with it (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) that's incredible so i don't i don't know much about science in zimbabwe yeah is it um what's it like how is it considered by by the zimbabwean people um it's well um at the time when my parents were sort of studying the exams they did were actually produced by cambridge university so yeah and then unfortunately they did not have a high pass rate because the education they were given was not by cambridge university so (laughs) what would happen is you'd have like just a massive fail rate because Mm. the cambridge the exams were just insane insanely difficult um but yeah it was so like they admire people who do well in science because maybe because it was such a difficult subject to pass in my parents sort of generation and then um 
things would be different now, I guess, since they've changed the exams. Um, but, you know, teachers generally go on strike a lot because they're not getting paid. So yeah, it's not, never fair. ideal. <laughs> yeah. So um, science is generally like looked upon well, but with the country mm. kind of going downhill steadily, there's not much, there's not, I couldn't go back there and work there. There just yeah. wouldn't be anywhere for me to work. Yeah, not not if 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 a country is in a state where it's uh, having to look where it's spending its money. Unfortunately, science funding tends to be one of the things that's cut back on quite heavily. Mm. So, yeah, that, I mean that that that's sorry, happening in Brazil right now. So, oh really? Yeah, yeah. In Brazil, there's many uh, sort of a bunch of um, measures to cut grants in brazil so yeah it's like always one of the first things to go and it's always the sacrificial lamb really yeah it's, it's idiotic really it's 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 really frustrating because um uh, one of the things that comes out time and time again is if you look look at it if you invest if the government if governments invest in scientific research they get a payback i remember reading a book which is a few years old now so this this figure will be slightly out of date but for every it was something like for every pound the government puts in they get back one pound fifty which is a ridiculous return if you're a business investor <laughs> you know so it's, it's it's one of those crazy things where people need to invest in it but i mean so, i honestly can't say i know where zimbabwe is investing its money because <laughs> definitely not investing them in art either so <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I suppose. when I said science or art, I wasn't c c combating them against each other. They both tend to get cut fairly quickly. Yeah. It, it sounds like, um, from what you were saying, that you may have that Zimbabwe may have lost a whole generation of scientists. You know, for those people that weren't good enough to to pass those exams. Do you think that's true? Um. Yes. Um. And also. Yes, they, they would have lost, a, not just, that was true for maths as well, like they lost a lot mm. of scientists, engineers and so on and so forth. But I mean, it's the least of their worries considering they then lost a significant amount of their population to mass migration out. So yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah, least no, of that, their worries. That's, that's not ideal either. Yeah. <laughs> they lost every, everybody else then. <laughs> <laughs> that's not that's not ideal so that's that's an, a, a bold move to make a decision at, at age six to think i want to do this and then to <laughs> literally carry that on and actually be doing a phd about exactly uh, that yeah um i kind of was like from that from the point i made that decision maybe i'm stubborn but from the point <laughs> i made that decision i then like focused all my energy in like biology and sciences and and I'll get better marks in them. Not saying I got the best marks, no one here, but I'll get better marks in them. And there was a misconception, I suppose, that I love science. And I do. I'm just not sure whether I love it because I naturally love it or whether I made myself love it. But yeah. there you go. <laughs> that's, that's... That's, that's a lot of careers, though. A lot of careers are that in terms of just sort of thinking whether you tricked yourself. It's absolutely commendable and makes me feel pathetic for just being like, I just kind of like science. That's why I do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, I suppose for you, was was the decision to do a PhD 
one that you made similarly early? It's like as soon as you knew that was no. the, the thing to do? No. Or did you, did you consider going into like um, uh, it just straight from a biology? I, I assume you did biology at like a high school level and then did, did, was, was it an obvious choice to go to, go to university initially? Uh, yeah, going to uni initially was um, an obvious choice since I had obvious since I had like decided to become a scientist. Um, yeah. But after the problem I then hit was that um, I hate school, so okay. <laughs> <laughs> so then like I went to I hated undergrads. Well, I both loved and hated it, but mostly hated it. Um, and so after that, I thought, or during that, I thought that I'll go into work. So I wanted to go into like the pharmaceutical industry and maybe yeah. slowly rise up like from there, like, you know, do further education from in there, yeah. you know? Um, I don't know what happened, but come the end of my undergrad, I suddenly found the energy to continue on to another degree. And that's how I went to my master's. Yeah. So, so what didn't you when you say you you know you didn't like school? Was it the the structure or, um, or or the the lessons? What was it about it? Do you think? I think it's the assessment. Like it's that sense that you're constantly being judged for yeah. your abilities or just anything. I mean, the the nature of school is that it's an environment where you're taught and judged. Yeah, That's, it's meant to mm-hmm. be a it's meant to be a meritocracy in that if you are the best, you yeah. are treated so, as such, which is yeah, so not, not the it's, best. It's inherently it's inherently a rather judgy institution, and yeah. that same applies for universities and so on and so forth. So when I say mm. I I hated school, I didn't just mean like school is in GCSEs and yeah. A levels. I meant I disliked that part about undergrad and just mm. degrees in general so I struggle with that um yeah. but I, th- I think that's something that puts a lot of people off especially especially in, I know in my school I was friends with a lot of people who didn't who weren't the top of the pack they were middle or even slightly lo- lower down or the bottom mm. of the class and those people it really feels like it, it turns them off from education in general because there is yeah. that if you're judged to be wanting, you are just left by the wayside. Yeah, I can totally understand. I mean, I I, I actually suffer from anxiety disorder, um, yep. which is predominantly triggered, incidentally, by uh, schooling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, funnily enough, yeah, it's predominantly triggered by education because of that sensation. Um, but somehow, here I am. Do you feel like you're judged less now that you're doing your PhD? Um, I think I have been fortunate to have a good supervisor who mm-hmm. I have been, I've been able to be honest with and not have him like turn against me in any kind of way. So yeah. um, I guess in a sense, I feel a bit judged less because I feel like I can be more honest with my supervisor than I was with my teachers and so on and so forth. And I can honestly say, oh, I'm struggling with something. But at the same time, there is still that sense at the end of the day that you're being judged or being assessed and so on. Mm -hmm. And that's still a massive anxiety trigger. And yeah, yeah. I think that's always going to be there. 
yeah. So, it, so it sounds like for you, the choice of supervisor was incredibly important. You need someone like uh, Sam Jones, who is your supervisor, who who is that that person you can be honest with. So how did you go about when you made that decision to think, oh, I, I can carry on, I can do a PhD. How did you choose? How did you know he was right for you? Um, I met him. So, <laughs> well, yeah, so um, basically, I mean, even when the sort of same sort of thing happened, like at the end of my master's where I was like debating, I was applying for jobs as well. So I was applying for jobs in the pharmaceutical mm. industry, trying to apply for work related to infection. Um, and then I did also start looking at PhDs related to infection and I came across Sam's advert, which was actually for a very chemistry based PhD. So when he'd advertised mm. it, it was purely synthesis of antivirals, no mm. real testing. Um, and it was, it really, it wanted somebody with a chemistry background, which I can't say I had. I mean, I did an A-level in chemistry, but that was the last time I did anything chemistry related. So yeah. by virtue of the fact that I didn't have the qualifications of what he'd wanted, I had to talk to him if I wanted to, because yeah. I was, if I wanted to pursue it. So I was, um, cause I found the project interesting, obviously like making antivirals is mm. everything I've ever wanted to do. Wanted. So, yeah. yeah. So I emailed him and was like hey i'm totally not qualified for this and i do not at all match your person's specification but i'm really interested in your project and i just wondered if you'd consider me here's my cv <laughs> and um he went he went let's meet up come to my office on this day and so i went to his office and was like chatting to him and in that i was because i didn't see it as an interview it, I saw it yeah. as just like, we're just, okay, talking to see if this is like, okay for A me. possibility. Yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. in that, I was like as forthcoming as I could be. So I was there like, okay, I struggle. I, I struggle a lot with like any kind of, you know, um, assessment, like particularly coursework was where I found I really struggled with a sense of like being mm. judged. And obviously a PhD is basically all coursework. Coursework, yeah. So, <laughs> so I was like really honest. I was like, oh, my marks aren't that great if you look at my like previous degrees. And the mm. reason being is because I have this, this anxiety issue with it and so on. And so it was just like a really nice, honest conversation. And he was a nice guy. And yeah, at the end of that, he was kind of like, well, he was like, yeah, you're totally right. On paper, you don't really make a great candidate, but I'm going to put you forward anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's amazing. Uh, to, to get, sorry, Josh, go. And so did you feel that you got a sense of how he was the supervisor a little better given the fact that it wasn't a rigid interview structure by the fact it was more of a conversation you got a sense of what yeah he yeah so because it was a conversation and because i honestly didn't realize that it was an interview i really <laughs> didn't i didn't dress for it either so um <laughs> yeah i got a better idea of who he was as a person and i was able to be more honest about like because I, I didn't go into it feeling so much like oh, I need to impress this person or I'm being judged or I'm trying to get this role. I more just went into it like, 
these are my cards. I'm really interested in this project. Mm. What do you think? Mm. Is there any point yeah. in me applying? I hadn't even applied at that point. So I was like, is there any yeah. point in me applying was more what I was. So, right. yeah. Oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> must, have been, must have been really good when he said that he put you forward. It's like a, that kind of vote of confidence. I know um, it's kind of um sometimes it's the person who's most enthusiastic that you want i mean with a phd it's most most of the time it's the person who's the most enthusiastic that you want not necessarily the person with the best grades yeah and um i think from talking when when i was talking to him in um that meeting that was how he he felt that grades don't necessarily represent the gift of a person and he yeah. said it had been his own personal experience from watching his own friends who were PhDs and now like postdocs or leaders of groups. And he'd realized mm. that the academic um, score that somebody had wasn't actually always representative of how good they were as a scientist and yeah. so on. And he'd known people who he greatly admired as scientists, but who on paper didn't look that great. So yeah. I think that was, he'd said that was meeting me kind of triggered, I think, that thought process. Mm -hmm. Well, that's amazing because I know um, a lot of people struggle with that. They, they think if I don't have the top grades, I can't go on and do a PhD because, you know, they're, they're considered this, you know, height of knowledge kind of contribution. You have to be intelligent. And I definitely wouldn't say, I'm definitely not, the, I was never the most intelligent person in my class, never. Mm. And, and I didn't yeah, get the me, best grades. Me yeah, I think it's important to to kind of get that across that um, whatever your grades, if if it's it's the interest that you have and the passion that you have for the subject, sometimes that that can really make you stand out and show that you are you know up to up to the job. Mm. Yeah, it definitely shows that meritocracy isn't everything, and yeah. that exam, like especially like working for an exam, is a lot different than working for a job like yeah working for an exam is this massive run-up to this one big moment and then after that there's nothing whereas with a job it's like consistent consistent workload so it's kind of difficult to balance that i find yeah. you know it's right it's a it's a whole different game and i feel like a lot of people don't recognize that early on but you slowly see that that's actually the case with every job and PhDs especially by the fact it's such a long period of time that you're working over so yeah yeah I think that's yeah I think that's really important right well we've we've kind of covered a lot of kind of your professional life so what what do you enjoy outside of work Oh, see, that's actually a really tough question for me. And I feel like basically so many people in my generation, I, I'm not one of those people who really has a hobby. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's some people who are there like, oh, yes, I go climbing. And I'm like, oh, yes, I go home. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine on Netflix. Um, Excellent. <laughs> I've just started playing uh, a game called Neverwinter, uh, but I'm already getting a little bored. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. That's okay. So, um, so really, it's just kind of what I just say, a regular, like you know, like 
I can't, I, I find it hard to imagine that I deviate that far from the norm in that I have to imagine that there must be a lot of people who go home and just kind of do really nothing. Um, yeah. Because my fiance is one of them, so. <laughs> <laughs> do you so, find uh, that you bring your work home with you a lot? I bring my stress from work home with me a lot, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, bring and the general you... feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what does your partner do? Uh, he's currently unemployed, struggling to um, his job hunting. Right, but, yeah. but but what is what is his chosen profession? What um, would he like to be be working in? He has no idea. <laughs> um, he does actually um, have. So we have the same sort of undergrad degree, and okay. he also did a master's, um, but. And it's all in sciences, but if you asked him, like, what does he want to do? He doesn't really know in the sense that he's one of those people who more went into the sciences because that's what he was pushed into rather than yeah. it was what he was passionate about. Wanted to do, yeah. So now that you've yeah. got the, does, 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 he, does he have something he, he would like to do? Or I think he's searching it... for it. He wishes he did. He definitely he, wishes yeah. he did, but so far hasn't found it. I mean, yeah. in terms of applying for jobs, though, he's basically applying for like everything that he's qualified mm -hmm. for. Yeah, mm -hmm. well, I think that's that's you've got a really interesting uh, kind of pairing there of, of of you who has like had this drive since the age of six to, to work on you know, <laughs> antivirals, and then <laughs> then the the alternative, which I, I I which was pretty much me, which is you know you go for either what you're pushed into or what you're best at without mm. really having a plan. Mm, yeah. um, they both have their benefits. And if, if you can be as driven as you are, Lorraine, then my goodness, it's admirable. <laughs> I don't think like, cause we were talking about exams before. I know. I you, could say, personally... you could say it's admirable, but I would actually say that it's potentially incredibly stressful because yeah. like you can be really driven but then like do really terribly in a meritocracy. So you're there like, where do I go? <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. That's, that's like, a very oh my God, point, yeah. I want so much, but I suck so bad. Yeah, because you're, you, you're, told, you're told you need this, this and this to move on. And yeah. 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 And when you don't get, and when you get two out of the three, you're like, damn it. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That sounds tough. But the, it's a vast majority of people that don't know exactly what they want to do like mm -hmm. a lot of people just end up doing what they want to do it's um it's like yeah. you're, just, you're not and yes a lot of people are pushed as well but i know a lot of people who just ended up doing a phd um which yeah. you know it's 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 a perfectly valid way to get there so as long mm. as you still get as long as you still get the experience it's all fine right then well that it was a very interesting conversation um uh, yeah so josh do you have any final questions uh no i think i'm okay i think i'm okay actually lovely <laughs> uh then i have i have one last question for you lorraine okay um which you know talking about uh being driven since the age of six i don't know whether this will be a, an easy question or not but if you were to write an autobiography right now what would its title be Stunned silence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> honestly, like that's not too far probably from the title. It will probably be like 
I can imagine the cover picture of be like on, a then. rabbit in headlights, like just this utterly <laughs> bewildered expression. <laughs> Stunned silence makes a great title. Oh. <laughs> Lovely. I should I should go into book naming. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, well, you know, it's very very. I think I think your 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 career path has is is commendable in as much as I know a lot of people get switched off from if if they are if they are not encouraged to the degree that a lot of people aren't encouraged to to any sort of degree because they're not you know that they're, they're not pointed out and they're not said oh you are the top of the class therefore we're going to give you extra support a lot of people are switched off if they're not not like given that extra support and I think your your career path really shows that you really have to fight for it but it's very very admirable that you have done and kept on going and you know you're you're a very valuable science scientist doing very valuable work that unfortunately has been thrust into even more valuable currently but i think oh, we'd be in a, a, very much sorry we'd be in a much worse place if people like you didn't fight for progressing in the same way that you do and it was just left to those people who were marked out as in inverted commas special mm-hmm.